Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Patrick. And we are working our way through Greg Bonson's Against All Opposition, Defending the Christian Worldview. And we are in the middle of chapter two, where he's talking to us about the idea that it's impossible to think without presuppositions, without some assumptions, he suggests. Uh, thinking is 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 not possible. It's inevitable and necessary to have presuppositions or basic assumptions in order to uh, to think and reason and that sort of thing. And we've reached the kind of the middle point of this chapter is where we ended last time. And so let's kind of pick up there. He mm-hmm. uh, this section he says God is the beginning of wisdom, knowledge, and morality. When we appeal to the word of the, of the living and true Creator of heaven and earth, when we appeal to the word of the personal God, the unbeliever doesn't want that kind of evidence, right? So they say, "Well, we're based on evidence." He's and he says, "Well, so are we, <laughs> right?" But right. they reject our evidence, right? He says when uh, when the unbeliever calls for evidence, he wants something impersonal, logical, and scientific, something that deals with utility or usefulness, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of a person's belief. And he says if we're going to prove Christianity to be true, we must do so um, over here in their space, right, in this supposed neutral area, right, And so the unbeliever doesn't want the word of God to be evidence upon which to rest his argument. Right. Right. No, that's not what that's not can't be counted as evidence because that's what we need to prove is the is the is what he's going to tell us here that the argument is. Right. Right. Uh, Prove to me the resurrection happens. Well, here's a video of it. Well, I know that's not it because video cameras didn't exist back then. Okay. well, what what would you like in order to to show this? Well, uh, I don't know, but this isn't it. And. We go on from there. So we're we're saying, okay, well, let's take a step back and say, how can you account for the things that you're asking as as evidence? And can you live consistently within them? Or uh, do you not have a basis for even um, those starting points? So uh, uh, Julian uh, Huxley, uh, he he had a book called uh, Religion Without Revelation. Mm. That's interesting. And he wrote these words. He says, uh, quote, I believe firmly that the scientific method although slow and never claiming to lead to complete truth is the only method which in the long run will give satisfactory foundations for belief. And we quite assuredly at present know nothing beyond this world and natural experience. Wow. So that's quite a mouthful. Bonson tells us that what Huxley is showing us when he says this is that he's openly displaying his own notice, faith commitment, (laughs) right? with its prejudices against Christianity. Notice, Bonson tells us, he says, on the one hand, the scientific method cannot give complete truth. Right. Right? So he admits it, right? But on the other, he turns around and says, but based on the scientific method, he completely rules out knowing anything beyond the natural world. Well, how can you have it both ways, right? Right. Can't tell us the complete truth, but we know this, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) That this is true. Well, how do we know that, right? Right? You you encounter an angel, uh, your your hand passes through him, and you go, well, I can't test this. So (laughs) clearly nothing is happening. And so you just have to live with that. Okay, that's not exactly what would happen. <laughs> Why does Huxley count out the kind of evidence that is offered by Christians for their faith? Why does he uh, disregard revelation as a source of information about God? It's, it's what uh, Hume uh, uh, tries to do. He, 
he he says, "Oh, there's only uh, kind of two ways in in which to to get in uh, get information in. One's kind of the scientific method, and the other is relation of of yeah, of those ideas. Things. Yeah, kind yeah. of sneaking yeah. a little bit of logic. And so yeah. he right. he he doesn't assume, or he he doesn't allow for revelation to come in. Things like my name is this person because it's been revealed to me by my parents that this is my name." <laughs> Um, but that is a source of information. He uh, he disregards uh, Huxley here disregards Revelation as a source of information about God, because Huxley has a faith commitment and devotion to naturalism. He is committed fully to the natural scientific method, and so he does not want any revelation, which makes it super simple. Here's the only way that we can get information, and nothing else. That's okay, right. so I don't have to think logically. Um, I, I've, I've just do my, my tests. I've, I, I experience things and, and make, uh, my conclusions from there. Uh, if, if I uh, c- come up uh, with a phenomenon, which, uh, kind of goes against that, then me being the great scientist that I am will, uh, not fight against the, the, the theory that has my name on it that won me the Nobel prize. And I'll allow for that, uh, um, new explanation to come into the, to the field of ideas and I won't at all fight with any other scientist that holds to it. That's what I'll do. (laughs) (laughs) So he's fully committed to the natural scientific method. And so he doesn't want revelation, but does he have a reason for not accepting revelation? Does he have a reason for not having faith in what we have faith in? Yes. The reason is that he has contrary faith. He Mm. has a different type of faith. All right. And so Ponson tells us the war really then is between notice faith and faith, right? The war is not between reason and faith. It's between faith and faith. I don't mean he tells us that faith is just an arbitrary leap. He says it's one kind of reasoning process. That's what he means here by faith uh, against faith. One kind, kind of reasoning process over against another kind of reasoning process, both of which want to use logic, right? Both of which want to use our senses, right? So rationalism, empiricism, both of which want to make things work in this world. So kind of a utility you know, utility, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But one of which admits a word from God while the other doesn't. Right. So those are, you know, the, some distinctions there. That's the distinction. So it's a faith, right? Huxley has a faith, Mm -hmm. just like the Christian has a faith. Huxley believes that the naturalistic world is all there is. And so he doesn't allow for anything else. Right. Right. The, The believer says, yes, there is a natural world, but there's also a supernatural world. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So let's go back to the to the name scheme. Uh, you know, you you can't rely on the testimony of your parents because they're biased, or um, I don't accept them. So, all right, you have government documents that that might be a case. Well, that's kind of testimony though. So, uh, and an appeal to authority. We we definitely can't allow that. Uh, you've always been called that. Well, okay. Uh, so you have memories of it. I, I guess I guess we can accept that, but uh, you don't really have any confidence uh, from age five onward that uh, you your your name has always been that. Um, uh, other people tend to call you. In fact, everybody calls you the same name. Well, there's the everyone. Well, you know, uh, everybody uh, else uh, believes yeah, this. Right? Everyone else. <laughs> well, that's only at this point forward. You could have changed your name. You could be lying, and so it doesn't allow for your parents to come in and say, "I have a relationship with them. I have." I've uh, uh, experienced a trusting relationship with them. Uh, they seem to uh, want what's best for me. They've sacrificed financially. Um, uh, uh, they've given me their kidney. Uh, so if they've given me their kidney, maybe they've given me their name. 
And so here are my parents. Here is their written uh, testimony, affidavit, claiming this is my name. And it's stamped, sealed, and uh, witnessed by uh, other witnesses who, uh, upon perjury and and torture, uh, are are testifying. Well, okay, but I don't accept. I don't accept that testimony right. because it, it's revelation. <laughs> it's 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 from from this unknown source that I can't I can't uh, take a lock of their hair and, right. and 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 kick their kick the tires type type deal, you know. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, with me, it, he'd say, "Well, how do you know your parents don't exist? I mean, they they're not alive. Yeah. So how can I verify that?" Right. right. And 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 so <laughs> so the this revelation is is something that we everybody accepts in certain other areas and we're just not applying it here because we don't like the implications of it. Yeah, That's what we're yeah. trying to get to. All right. So the war between uh, faith and faith, the war is not between reason and faith. We've, 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 we've hit that in the first chapter it is between faith and faith. And so um, he goes on to say that uh, Anthony flew wrote a book uh, titled God and philosophy. And he explained, Rest the unbeliever's criticism of the Christian faith for resting on God's authority. What he is saying is that the teaching of Scripture cannot be accepted on the authority of God speaking therein because it is precisely that authority that is under question by the unbeliever. Right. So, in other words, how can you use God's authority to uh, verify that this is God who is speaking mm-hmm. and has authority, right? He's claiming it's kind of a circular argument, right? right? Yep. At first, that sounds reasonable. How often have I seen people present that approach? And at first you want to say, yes, that's right. You can appeal to the Bible to prove the Bible, but there's more to the argument. All right. So there's more to the argument. He says what Flew is saying is that in the end, God's word cannot be the, and here's the key, ultimate authority. Right Now, he stresses the word ultimate because all ultimate authorities must authorize themselves. Mm -hmm. So if someone says, this is my ultimate authority, you know. And, uh, and then you say, okay, well, how do you prove that? Well, if the person says, I prove that ultimate authority by appealing to this over here. Well, then that first claim of ultimate authority wasn't really your ultimate <laughs> yeah. authority, right? Because that's right. <laughs> right. You've used something else to prove uh, your I, ultimate authority. I, I climb Mount Everest. How do I know? Because I, I've, I scaled this hill of six feet. I've reached the pinnacle. Don't mind the, the really big thing up up there. Right. I've scaled Mount Everest. Right. Here I am. Where, where's my Where's my uh, flag that That's I can right. plant? That, that I can plant. Yeah. So 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 he's talking about ultimate authorities right. here, right? And he's and and uh, you really you have to accept an ultimate authority. Basically, right, and and that's what he's trying to get at here. And everyone has ultimate authorities, right? And even flu, right? Anthony right. flu. So when you call something an ultimate authority in the in the in the nature of the case, it must prove itself. Right. When Anthony Flew says you can't let the Bible be your ultimate authority, you can't let the Bible prove itself. What he is telling us is, on my philosophical outlook, I'm not going to let the Bible be ultimate. That, uh, that's the issue. Okay. Thank you that, very much. Yeah. That's your position, <laughs> right? right? That's right. your opinion. And, and we, yeah. Right. And so <laughs> when we do internal critiques on, on, on whoever we're talking to, or even ourselves, that, that internal kind of bypasses that, well, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. It's saying, okay, let's assume you're right. What are the implications for that? And yeah. so it, it bypasses that, that, that conflict. And so we're, we're, uh, I mean, it's still going to produce conflict, but it's going to be one 
where, okay, here are the accepted positions. What do we see based on those accepted positions? So here, this can only mean that Anthony Flew has uh, determined in advance that God cannot be the ultimate authority. So you, you can have your position that God's the, the ultimate, but I won't let you have that. That's and so right. we're arguing about that. that. Right. No. Now prove God, that God exists. Right. But I, you, you just <laughs> said you won't accept anything right. that I that I offer. Well, uh, okay, th- that doesn't leave us <laughs> much with, with anything. Yeah. yeah. And so he says, when we're examining a concept, trying to decide whether it's true, Flew's saying we cannot employ that concept, right? Uh, you can't employ something that you're examining at the same time. That was his rule. Right. In other words, if we're looking at the, you know, the scripture's ultimate authority, Flu says, no, you can't, you can't examine the Bible in order to show that it is the ultimate authority. You have to appeal to something else, right, is what he's saying. And, and, and so uh, Bonson says, well, in many ways, that's a pretty good rule to follow. But to say that it's a universal rule, he tells us, and applies to everything, would make nonsense out of human reasoning, right? right? Yeah, un- unless you're a person that can can keep reasoning from ultimates that aren't really your ultimate. Yeah, then yeah. At, then, then they're not your ultimate. At some right. point, you have to stop or right. say that you don't have one, right? Which no one really wants to do. So those who examine and argue about logic. So do, here's this illustration, right? right? Yeah. Do you think they have given up the rules of logic when they argue about logic? Uh, the law of non-contradiction is true. You can't have something be A and not A at the same time. Okay. So now you just gave me an argument, oh, a man. logical argument to try to show that the logical argument of law of non-contradiction is the case. Right. You've used logic <laughs> to prove logic. Wait a minute. You can't do that. Uh, I've, I've, <laughs> making that statement uh, or, or anything I can do from this point forward would be a logical statement. If I appeal to authority, well... Everybody assumes that. <laughs> well, that too is also part of a logical, uh, you know, uh, here's the universality of it, uh, 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 d- degree, and uh, those who fail to follow it uh, uh, will be running in traffic and, and, <laughs> and, and facing the, the ultimate test of, 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 uh, of the law of non-contradiction. Well, I've just utilized the point that I'm trying to do. And so, there's my ultimate standard is reason, logic, uh, and I'm talking about it um, on the basis for arguing about reason, logic. Mm-hmm. And so now the question is then, do I have a basis for for that? It does right. does 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 the world that I exist in? Uh, am I? It does the 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 standards that I have account for um, that uh, uh, ability to exist. Uh, logically within uh, a reason and logic framework. Right. And so we'll get into that later. So th- they don't give up uh, uh, rules of logic when they argue about logic. Mm-hmm. Do they employ the laws of logic when they argue about logic? Well, of course, if they aren't using the laws of logic, then they're not arguing at all. <laughs> right. They are using the law of logic to argue about the laws of logic. Oh no, circularity, <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> When it comes down to an ultimate standard like that, you must use the standard while you are trying to examine the standard. Right. So if it's your ultimate standard, you have to use it if it's the ultimate standard, right? Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it's not the ultimate standard. Something else is yeah. the standard. Well, I just don't accept that reason logic is is your standard, and so I won't allow you to use it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I have took your standard and applied it to me because I'm now arguing 
in a logical fashion, uh, but you can't point that out because I don't accept it either. Right. And so <laughs> the, the point here he's trying to make is that we all have, uh, you know, kind of ultimate standards, uh, the basis where we can't go any further. And we have to use those ultimate standards, even when we're examining our ultimate standards. Right. And so he suggested for the believer, the authority of God's word is an ultimate standard and it's okay to use it when you're examining even God's word, mm -hmm. just like if the laws of logic or logic itself is an ultimate standard, it's okay to use logic when you're examining logic, right? right. He gives us another illustration. He says, I know people who examine and evaluate the powers and reliability of the human eye, right? Our eye. He says, do you think that they say, well, since I'm examining <laughs> the eye, we can't use the eyes, right? But now we can't see anything, right? <laughs> of course they don't say over that. Here. Yeah, oh, yeah sorry. can't use that, right? Yeah. He says they use the eye while they examine the powers and functionality of the eye. You do this too, he tells us. If you have ever gone to a mirror to try and find something in your eye, you don't say, well, let me hear if there's something in my eye, right? right? Or smell if there's... No, no, no. You use your eye while you're trying to find what's in your eye mm -hmm. right so we you know it's just a crude illustration but yeah. i think he, he makes the point here right we use the thing that uh we need in order even to examine the thing right. that we're right. using you're, right. you're you're driving down the road you see water on, on the road on a very hot day and you're like oh that, that's weird but I, I i have good reliability on my senses I get to that point where i know that i'm i'm at the point where it's marked with a sign of where i saw the water Where'd the water go? Yeah. Oh, it's it's up farther. It must be moving water, <laughs> or or maybe maybe that 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 exists as kind of an optical illusion. And so, uh, I've I've come to say on really hot days it may uh, appear that there's water on the road, uh, but there's not. Well, how did you find that out? Well, I went to that spot and I looked. Oh, hold on. You're just trying to tell me about the how your perceptions are either trustworthy and and you said mm -hmm. it wasn't. But how did you get there? You use your perception. <laughs> well, I don't accept that standard That's right, because right. you're you talking shown that your perceptions aren't yeah oh, aren't reliable. Is, so yeah, awful. So how can you? How do you I, show I heard that? It. Yeah, I heard, I heard yeah, there was yeah. no water. How do you show Just your perceptions <laughs> are not reliable? Well, you use your perceptions, yeah. right? Or how do you show your perceptions are reliable? Well, you use your perceptions, right? Uh, it's an, kind of an ultimate standard right. kind of thing, and you know you can't get around it. And he's suggesting it's it's true for the believer as mm -hmm. well, right? All right, so the claim that we must automatically exclude the possibility of Christians examining and arguing about the authority of God's revelation while simultaneously employing the authority of God's revelation is nothing more than arbitrary prejudice on Anthony Flew's part. Mm -hmm. He allowed this practice when it comes to logic. He would allow it uh, when it comes to your eyes, but he says, nope, not with the Bible. Sorry. <laughs> And so he tells us again, he's not asking, you know, anyone just to accept the Bible willy nilly. What he's saying is, here's the Bible's claim to be authority. And so now you have to take it as the authority. Right. He says, no, he, he's not saying that. Right. That's not what he's saying. Accept it willy nilly. It, it claims to be authority. So you have to take it as the authority. Nope. Nope. That's not what he's saying. He's saying all he's asking is let's be reasonable. Let's argue about this. When someone says I can't make your ultimate authority the Bible. Right. You can't do that. He says, yes, I can. <laughs> I can do that just as much as you can make logic your ultimate authority and still try to be logical. Mm -hmm. Right. So, right. you know, let's. uh 
uh, compare apples to apples here. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and again, the, the, when, when it comes to internal critique, it bypasses a lot of the, the stuff and, and we can still um, um, e- exist. Uh, we would say because we're made in the image of God and we sh- share that similarity, that universality, uh, they would just appeal to uh, things like uh, we're the best suited for the environment. And so we share uh, certain survival traits uh, in order to allow us to kind of exist and communicate in certain fashions. And we're smart enough to do that. So something along those lines. Um, and, and so um, from, from there we can kind of go down the path from there but we're at least starting back a little bit farther than just going, here are the facts, here are the facts, here are the facts. All right, so the internal logic of a system. Uh, Imagine that someone says, I see if there is a God and he reveals himself, it would be his word that tells us what revelation is. That means that his word must validate his word. He says, I understand that, but I don't like that possibility. I am ruling that out in advance. There cannot be a God that speaks with such authority. That's right. what, the, what the other person says. Right. So they've kind of ruled out that particular <laughs> right. ultimate. If there, is a, if there is God, he wouldn't do it this way. That's right. Okay. By what standard, Dawkins, um, <laughs> do, do, you, do you say that God wouldn't do this be, because uh, you have to then believe in a God that you yeah. don't believe exists? Right. So, so it's a, that was a theological argument. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, and so he's suggesting here that, uh, you know, this internal logic of the system, right? There cannot be a God that speaks in such authority. He says, does this sound like a faith commitment to you? Mm. I will not <laughs> allow the possibility that there is such a God. Yes, that sounds like a faith commitment, right? The funny thing is, he says, usually without showing an openly, unbelievers have this wild, arbitrary, volitional commitment that that is thought out so badly that it does the very thing they accuse Christians of doing. They're the ones who say, no, I won't consider the possibility of that. Yeah. Right. They well, no, it's shut just a it lack down. of belief. It's that's only a why. lack of belief. Yeah. That, that's it. That, that's only where we're going. Yeah. <laughs> Many people will accuse you of being irrational. Probably not the correct word, but that's the, that's going to be the accusation. It's important that you know what faith really is and how it is to be defended. It is especially important that you know you are not operating from a position of faith in contrast to other people who operate on a position of re- reason. Rather, you hold to a faith that will save reason and make it reasonable to use reason, whereas the unbeliever does not have the basis to account for reason and its consistent reliability. And so um, that's what uh, folds into the to the next chapter of uh, of having a, a, a foundational faith and, and uh, from there we um, will build upon um, does the Christian worldview kind of allow things like science, reason, morality, um, or, or is it just kind of uh, day fide day um, dictums that, uh, that uh, we, <laughs> we, we read in some dusty old book from, from uh, uh, goat herders from the bronze age or whatever it might be. <laughs> and, and there's no real basis for, for our understanding. Well, does the other person have the, those same commitments? So, oh, you're just um, employing uh, a morality that existed about six minutes ago. And uh, as long as Twitter says it's fine, uh, you're, you're going to exist in that. <laughs> That's okay. By what standard are we uh, going to go down those paths? And so, that's the purpose of this type of argumentation, this this uh, kind of transcendent uh, um, um, point, point of view of taking a step back and saying, before we start arguing about facts, let's talk about 
what are facts and how we come to know things are facts. And so um, uh, th- that's uh, the purpose here of, of really honing in on on the, 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 the initial foundations. Right. For and, and, and so the, the key then, the idea with this particular chapter, the point he's trying to make is it's impossible to think without presuppositions, right? Mm-hmm. The claim is, well, you can't have presuppositions because we want to have some type of neutral stance. And what he's really arguing is there, you can't have neutrality because everybody has presuppositions. Everybody has ultimate authorities that they begin and base their arguments on. Which is why he starts with a look at Descartes, because that's what what the claim is, is get rid of everything you could possibly know. Uh, There's a a uh, Hedron uh, joke about, uh, forget everything you know about rice. Okay, that was easy. But now I've forgotten what, you know, what are we talking about again? Because then I have no basis to, to, to... Understand what you're saying when I say, "Oh, there's this grain of right." Well, I've I've completely forgotten about that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so going back to Descartes, I, I'm I'm doubting everything. Are you Are you doubting your doubting? Uh, n- no, because then I couldn't do it. But you said, you know, doubt yeah. everything, right. including doubt, including the eye. You're not doing that. So, can right. you live? Are you Are you doubting or, the eye? Yeah. yeah. The yeah that you're that you're. Existing, <laughs> right? And doubting, yeah. Right. Just a, a a program in Tron, and and you don't really <laughs> exist. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, next time, uh, chapter three, and uh, we'll um, we'll see if uh, Christians have a, a rational basis for believing things, or we just uh, go based on what uh, what God has declared, and and nothing else can be uh, <laughs> known except for what we read in uh, our, our our books here. Probably not. Yeah, but. Uh, Thanks for uh, joining us, and we'll see you next time. See you next time.